If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today on Horse Chats, our guest is Emily O'Connell. Emily was a popular episode on 145. If you'd like to go back and listen to that, you can hear a little bit more about Emily. Today, we're going to talk about 10 ways to ensure positive training sessions for both horse and human. How are you today anyway, Emily? I'm good, thank you. Good. How are you? Good. You ready to talk about this? Yeah, I am. Yeah. (laughs) Something I'm very passionate about. Good, good. And what's the background there? Emily, when did you start to get passionate about why this particular subject? Uh, I've always been interested in uh, human psychology Mm -hmm. from a young age and also um, animal learning and their behaviour. So from a small child, I was always uh, observing animals, working out what what made them tick and how to motivate them into doing tricks or, you know, movements or working with me. Um. And I think that when working with an animal, because we can't speak to them uh, in the way that we communicate to most humans, um, it's really important that we're aware of how their brain works, uh, how they're motivated, and also aware of our own, um, so our own brain and how mm-hmm. how um, we can sometimes make mistakes or make things tricky for the animals by not making um, what we want clear. Yeah. I also think that from a um, from a welfare point of view, uh, a horse's value depends quite a lot on on the horse human relationship, mm-hmm. um, and then therefore, for it's really important that both uh, human and horse enjoy enjoy working together, um, because it it you know increases the horse's value and therefore their welfare increases as well. So, I guess that. That sums up why I'm passionate about it. Mm, mm. Just saying that the horses and humans working together and enjoying working together is uh, a good point. And I think anyone who's interested in this, regardless of the type of training, the type of work that they do with the horse, I think it'll be a very good chat for them to listen to. Yeah. We've got the first point here, or the way number one, is to have an end result that you're working towards. Yeah, that's right. So I think it's always important to know where you're heading, um, both long-term and also in your training session itself. Um, This this relates um, to human sports psychology as well um, and very important for people who are competitive um, because without without goals and without sort of um, points to to aim towards, uh, it's really hard to um, measure how you're going. and I think it's also very beneficial as well in knowing when to stop. Uh, I know some of us, you know, if we have a really good ride, we get quite eager and we ask a lot. Um, and it's also important knowing when to stop and when to say, okay, I've reached I've reached what I was aiming towards. Um, you know, I'll finish here and I'll start again tomorrow. Yep, yep, that's good. 
All right, then number two then, this out of the 10 ways to ensure positive training sessions for both horses and humans, is to understand that you may not get there instantly. We all want that, don't we? The instant gratification, yeah. the instant everything. <laughs> but um, yeah, talk about that, just understanding that we may not get there instantly. Yeah, well, that that links in nicely with um, the goals. And this is sort of the idea of having short-term goals or even even bringing those down into sort of micro goals within a training session. I think a lot of us, especially in the world of dressage, uh, you know, we're aiming towards certain movements and therefore we can become quite disheartened if we're not getting that exact movement yep. right. Yep. Um, I think it's very, very important that we praise the attempts, um, both of ourselves <laughs> and of the and of the horse, um, and that we shape the behaviour. So that means that you you uh, reinforce behaviours that look slightly like what you want and then over time as they're reinforced and they become um, uh, competent you can shape them into becoming a little bit more perfected okay. so I guess a, a example of that would be to, to use dressage a dressage example um, would be riding a half path you wouldn't offer a horse that's never you know um done a half pass before you wouldn't just try and get it straight away um, you'd be breaking it down and saying okay can I move the horse's shoulders separately from its body so can I move the shoulders off the track into a shoulder in position does the horse move sideways off my leg um, can I ride a travers can I move the travers deeper and shallower um, and move it back into a, a shoulder in and things like that. Um, and then you'd, you'd be reinforcing all of those behaviours, reinforcing the bend and the flexion, um, and, and that way you can mould it into the movement of the half passes, which is what you were aiming towards. Mm -hmm. But that might take, you know, that might take quite, sure. a, few, quite a few training sessions that yeah. won't necessarily be straight away. Yes, yes, and that's where even the short, you know, you talk about the long term, the short term, the goals within a training session, but even the micro goals, you know, just to get that transition between the shoulder and the travers going into half pass. So you still want to get yeah, those exactly. micro goals within the session. Yeah. Exactly, and it's really beneficial for, for us riders as well to have those small goals either written down or in your mind when you get on the horse mm -hmm. because it, um, it, it means that you don't, you don't get disheartened in yes, the ride as yes, often, yes. Um, as, especially if it's just one of those days and it's not good. You can sort of lower those expectations a little bit and go, right, okay, I'm going to aim towards getting you know, a correct flexion or a correct bend and being able to move my horse where I want them mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and then try again the next day. All right, and then this sort of brings us into number three as well. If things aren't going as planned, go back to basics. Yeah, um, this is one that's, that's <laughs> you know, in complete honesty, taken me a while to sort of to learn myself. Yep. You know, when you're aiming for perfection, again, this comes to the competitive side of a lot of riders. Um, you don't want to stop until you get what you're aiming towards. Mm, um, mm. And I think it's it's... <laughs> 
Well, it doesn't fit in with the long-term goal. You know, if you say even the midterm, exactly. I'm going to make it to the championships at the end of the year at this level, and then all of a sudden the horse won't go forward and round, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And um, it takes a little bit of humility, I think, to sometimes stop yourself and mm-hmm. say, right, I haven't got the forward button or yep. my horse is not listening to me at all. You know, if they're spooky, then it's probably not, not the right time to practice your tendy changes. Yes. You, know, you might have, yes. To, yes. have to focus on the basics. Um, and I and I believe doing a lot of groundwork as well. So, you know, if it, if it's one of those days and things aren't working, then there's nothing stopping you getting off the horse and doing transitions on the ground, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's one of those rides where you don't feel completely safe. Take the horse's mind off it and go back to those basics. Yep. So I know yep. it's something that's quite cliche. <laughs> A lot of top riders say it, you know, back to basics, back to transitions, but mm-hmm. they, they really are important. But the top riders say it because they understand it. They understand to keep yes. going back to <laughs> basics, you know, yeah. Yeah, and I like the way too that you say that if it's not safe, get off. You can still do some work when you get off, you know, still keep working your horse. Don't just put them away because it's spooky today, but keep working it, but do it from a safe position. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's important for horses as well because they're flight animals, so they're they're always um, observing their surroundings for any potential threats. Mm -hmm. There are some days where, you know, their attention is elsewhere and it's not on you. And so you're far better to go back to basics, get the forward and the stop buttons, you know, uh, reinforced until you feel like they're back to where they should be and then put your horse away. Know when enough is enough. But that doesn't mean, that, as you said, that you need to, you know, stop riding and not have a training session that day. You can work through it by going back to the basics. All right, now number four is never reprimand or punish. Yeah, so this comes back to understanding the animal, Mm -hmm. understanding the horse. Um, They're not a reasoning animal, so they don't have the cognitive reasoning skills that we do. And often any conflicts that arise between horse and rider are usually due to rider error or confusion on the horse's part. Yep. So I think although our emotions can be heightened and we think, oh, you know, my horse today is just trying to make my life hard (laughs) or he's he's not listening to me, he's not obeying, it's never a good idea to reprimand or punish. Um, It actually usually makes um, conflict behaviours worse. Uh, It makes the horse quite nervous and tense most of the time. Um, So instead I'd say try to calmly ask the same question again, use your cues, ask again, or correct if there's a behaviour that you didn't want to see, um, correct it and then move on. Yes, yes. I think also too when you first started talking about almost like the horse was scheming against you, you know, they just don't have that cognitive ability. They're just saying this is what's going on in my head right now. Exactly. They Mm. react to what we've trained them. Yeah. So if really you know it come, it, it's very simple and if they're not reacting the way that you'd like them to then then you've got to go back and look at how you've trained that, yes. that response yeah yeah and yeah I guess this leads to number 
Number five. Yes, well, well the number five is be aware of your own emotions and headspace. But I think you've got these leading into each other very well. I think they're they're well put together. So, yeah, please talk oh, about that. You. Yeah. So you know, as humans, we we're emotional creatures, and uh, we tend to bring a lot of those emotions into the saddle. Um, but I I don't believe that emotions have much place in training. Um, I try myself to to come to quite a neutral headspace when I work with the animals so that I don't take anything um, personally. It doesn't mean that I, I don't love my animals and I don't sometimes anthropomorphize them and things <laughs> like that. Um, but in the training sessions, I try to be very neutral um, because I think that often emotions can can have a really negative impact on on us training yeah um yep. training what we would like to train mm-hmm. um uh i also like to have a backup in mind um for myself if i'm not in a good place to be riding um you know we all have those days where everything's gone wrong um, you know you might be coming back from work thinking oh i've had the worst day um and if you're aware of that and you know yourself, you know perhaps this is the, these are the kind of times where you tend to personalise things and reprimand your horse rather than correcting. Um, and if so, you know, those are the times that usually are best for groundwork or lunging is a good option as well. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or taking the horse out for a hack, doing something completely different. I know that I use that. Um, it's still very good for the horse. Um, it's good fitness work, um, and it means that it doesn't. You don't have to try to be perfect that whole time. You know, um, it's a little bit easier on us. Okay. Yep. 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 That's good. And I think you know you've sort of talked just then about the emotions headspace, but then number six is know your horse. Yeah, which can take time, especially when getting getting a new horse. But it's really important that we observe our horses and that we're aware of any change in them. Um, So any soreness that comes up, obviously any injuries or any environmental conditions that might impact your training based on your particular horse. Um, And another thing that, you know, the top riders are very big on, they know their horses inside and out and they have a gut feeling when something's not right. Yep. it can also mean that your your training sessions are more positive because if your horse is, you know, a little bit spooky, there's perhaps, you know, um, he loses concentration in windy conditions or something like that. Um, if you know your horse well enough, you should be able to get through that training session without it becoming a big problem, which is beneficial for both the horse and, and yourself because yep. you then have yep. a good ride where it could have turned not so good. And obviously any soreness is very important. So um, muscle soreness, not necessarily bad muscle soreness, but, you know, that feeling when you've been to the gym and you go, my legs, (laughs) I can feel them today. Um, And it's the same for your horse. And so if you've been doing pirouette training for two days straight, um, you know, you could expect that your horse will be sore from that. And it might be good to have a stretchy day or a hacking out day so that you don't, you don't do any damage um, to your horse, which of course then um, usually shows up in 
in what we would call bad behaviour or mm-hmm. conflict behaviour because your horse is sore and he's trying to tell you that. Yep, yep, yep. All right, now going on then, because you've talked quite a lot about hacking out, lunging, doing some groundwork. So I know that within your training sessions you have a lot of variations, but you've got here as point number seven, variation is so important. Yeah, um, I guess this is for both horse and rider. Um, it's a bit like if, if we're going to work every day, the same office, coming back, same, same um, you know, uh, things at home. It gets yep. a little bit boring and you can feel yourself become a bit stale. Uh, and it's the same for the horses. Um, horses do really like uh, having sort of a routine. Um, that's been sort of shown and proven um, quite well. Um, but variation within their training session is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, going back to the safety thing, it doesn't have to be, you know, starkly different. You know, you could set up some poles in your arena, do some walking through poles, uh, riding over poles. Uh, you could have some novel objects in your arena, um, those sort of things. But variation is really important because often horses become sour if they're ridden the same way day in, day out, uh, and they don't they don't get a chance to, to learn something new. Okay, good, good. And the next one you've got sort of expands that whole variation. This is point number eight, be brave enough to experiment. Yeah, uh, this is a bit of a personal one for me um, because before I before I owned horses, uh, or you know, I'd never been taught to train animals, but I had been training, and yes. I'd done it through experimentation, working out what worked. Um, and I think this is important. Although although horses are, are large animals, and you do need to make sure that you're safe around them, um, experimenting. With training them can be quite enjoyable, uh, whether it's teaching them a trick. You know, clicker training uh, can can have a really really nice sort of um, be a really nice addition for horse and rider to have yep. something that you do differently to your to your riding. Um, I've just started experimenting on a little bit of liberty training with my horses, uh, which I'm very very new at, uh, <laughs> and it doesn't always go as go as expected, uh, but but that's something, you know, going back to the variation, it's something different. Um, but you do have to be a little bit brave in doing that. It, it might not work out straight away. It might take you, you know, a few goes to get it. Um, and, I, and I also had written here, if you're unsure, which I, I completely understand, and, and depending on what you're trying to experiment with, you might be unsure. And I think it's really important in those um, circumstances to be humble enough to ask for help. Um, find somebody who's very knowledgeable in that yep. that area, um, and ask them how you can start out. Okay. Yeah, that's number eight. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And I think that's an important one. You know, if you can't figure it all out yourself, get some help. You know, and there's lots of help around. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. All right. Now yeah, the yeah. next one, number nine, know when to stop. Yeah, um, I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier on. You said about going back to basics, but, um, yeah, this is sort yeah. of a little bit more, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I always try and end my training sessions on a good note. 
now, if your training hasn't gone as planned as you've hoped, um, it's still important to end on a good note. Mm-hmm. That might not be in the area that you'd aim to end on. Um, and that's where coming back to basics is really important. You might have to bring your horse back to simple things like transitions or um being able to counter flex or something that your horse knows and is quite confident in uh, so that you end on a very positive note. Um, I think that's very important um, for the horse um, sort of mentally as well is that they're they're ended by being rewarded for something um, rather than sort of being drilled at the last minute. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that that (laughs) results in quite sour horses. Yes. in their training session. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. And then that, that brings us on to point number 10, which is perfect practice makes perfect. So I notice here you've got an extra word there. Instead of saying practice makes perfect, it's perfect practice makes perfect. Yeah. Um, this I've learned sort of in the last few years. Um, and, uh, yeah, a really important sort of thing that I was taught was don't put miles on your horse's legs. You know, you want them to last. So don't keep doing things over and over and over again until you get them perfect. Um, try and put, and I know this is hard for us writers as well, you've got to try and get, you know, your body together all at the same time um, and your horses. But try and try and make the practice that you do of certain movements um, as perfect as can be because that's going to be far more beneficial for you both uh, physically and mentally. Um, than than going over it and over it and over it um, because it does it does sort of drill them and it is it can have it quite a negative um, impact on yep. your horse's yep. sort of yep. well being um, and it, and it's physically very important for them um, and you see in a lot of um, high level show jumpers you know they when they know that their horse can jump you know, a metre 50, they're not jumping a metre 50 every day. Mm-hmm. They're doing cavaletti um, and grids and things like that of quite a small height. They're practising those, the striding and um, sort of perfecting what they can without doing those big courses. Um, yep. And it's the same in dressage, the transitions and practising little bits of things, you know, practising a few steps of shouldering. If you get it perfect, then... You know it's there. You don't have to necessarily do twenty long sides of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that I see often with riders who aren't confident riding without coaches. Um, so they'll have a lesson and they'll they'll work really hard in their lesson. And then when they're riding by themselves, it takes them a long time to sort of um, put it all together. And so you know they might ride. 10 laps of the arena before doing another transition. They're waiting until it feels, you know, right. Um, And I guess it's that you've sort of got to try and shorten that a little bit, keep your your training session on the short side and put lots of breaks in between. So, you know, do a few transitions and then have a walk break. Do a few more, have a walk break, Um, which lets you mentally... (laughs) mentally sort of recoup as well Um, but means that you're not yeah you're not putting miles on your horse's legs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's good if you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor or even if you aspire to be one 
have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Okay, just going back over them, what I'd like to do is sum up these 10 ways to ensure positive training sessions for both horse and human. The first one you talked about was to have an end result that you're working towards. Would you be able to speak to just a sentence or two about each of the 10 points as we go over, you know, just maybe the main point? So the first one is have an end result that you're working towards. Yeah, so make sure that you set uh, a mixture of long-term goals, uh, short-term goals, um, and an end result. So, um, you know, something that, that sort of motivates you to keep going. Okay, good. And then the second one is understand that you may not get there instantly. Yeah, so break the movement or goal down into smaller parts. I call these sort of micro goals, and these might be for each training session. And praise the attempts that you get from your horse so that you can shape the behaviour. Good, good. All right. And then the next one, you know, again, I like the way that you've just sort of put them together so that one thing goes into the other. Number three is if things aren't going as planned, go back to basics. Yeah, I think I think as you said, that, that pretty much sums it up. Go yeah. back to basics because yep. basics underpin everything. If you're missing a basic, no wonder you're finding other movements or other things difficult. Yep. All right, number four is never reprimand or punish. Yeah, so um, instead of punishing your horse, ask calmly again or correct the Mm behaviour and realise that the horse isn't a reasoning animal. So it is (laughs) extremely unlikely that that it is them trying to sort of undermine you in any way. Yeah, yeah. Number five is be aware of your own emotions and headspace. Yeah, so uh, emotions have very little place in training uh, and it's our responsibility as riders to be able to diminish them within the training or uh, make a decision to do something else Mm -hmm. if we don't feel that we can. Good. Okay. And then the next one, number six, is know your horse. Know your horse inside and out know their behaviour, their likes and dislikes um, and the way that they they act on a day-to-day basis uh, so that you can um, be aware of anything that might impact your training that day. Good, good. Now, the next one, variations is number seven. Variation is so important. Keep changing everything up. Keep it interesting, not just uh, for your horse but also for you. Uh, it's very motivating. Yep, yep. All right, number eight now is be brave enough to experiment. Uh, try new things. That links a little bit back to number seven. Uh, don't get stuck doing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to step outside of your comfort zone. Good. Now, know when to stop is number nine. Always end on a good note. Uh, so know when when not to keep going, not to keep asking more uh, and always come back to something that your horse is confident in um, or is doing well in so that you can reward them Mm -hmm. at the end of a session. Good. And the last one is perfect practice makes perfect. Uh, You want your horse to last, so don't keep drilling them with exercises. Try and keep the training session on the short side with lots of breaks in between, but make 
the um, the times where you are training them um, relatively intense. Good. All right. Well, there you go. That's the 10 ways to ensure positive training sessions for both horse and human with Emily O'Connell. If you'd like to go back and listen to chat number 145, you'll talk about her study and uh, what she's doing with her own competitive career. Emily, if people would like to contact you, how can they do that? What's the best way? Uh, So to contact me, the best way is uh, through my business, which is O'Connell Academic Dressage. Uh, You can find us on Facebook by just searching O'Connell Academic Dressage or by visiting my website, which is O'ConnellAcademic.com. All right, brilliant. And also, too, those details will be on horsechats.com slash Emily O'Connell too, or just go to horsechats.com and search for Emily and you'll find that. That's brilliant, Emily. Well, hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime soon as you progress your career and progress your study and we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you so much for having me on here again. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 